0: Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're going to talk about the ways stopping running can place you at higher risk of running injuries down the road. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running, even if you've been injured. If you're a runner and you got a running injury, you may have been to the doctor. And let me guess, your doctor told you to stop running. Well, that's no surprise for several reasons. The first is that doctors think running causes running injuries. The second is that many doctors think running is just too stressful. The third reason is that the easiest way to reduce the stress from running is to stop running. But I think it's a cop-out when doctors tell runners to stop running. And In this episode, we're going to talk about the ways stopping running can place you at higher risk of running injuries down the road, and in addition, we're going to discuss some simple strategies that may help injured runners keep running. The first thing to think about is your aerobic fitness. If you stop exercising, you're going to lose your aerobic fitness. When your aerobic fitness is high, you feel better, you can run faster, and you run with better form. The last thing that you need after working for years to build a well-tuned aerobic machine is to lose your aerobic fitness through a lack of exercise. If you stop running, you're going to predictably lose your aerobic fitness. The second thing is muscular strength. Running specific strength that you developed over time will quickly diminish if you stop running. You'll be able to get it back, but it could take a very long time. The unfortunate reality is that the muscle strength vanishes quickly and it builds very slowly. Don't expect your muscles to get stronger if you take six weeks off running. The other thing to consider is bone density. If you don't use your bones, they'll get weaker. There's a reason that astronauts attach themselves to treadmills with rubber bands and run when they're in outer space. You have to use the bones to keep them strong. You have to pound on them with gravity if you want to keep them strong. A tendon and ligament flexibility also suffers when you stop running. The tendons and ligaments are the rubber bands that stretch out to absorb force. If they become weak and stiff, they're more prone to tearing. They're more prone to injury. If you don't run, those ligaments that specifically stretch out when you run are likely going to become stiffer, less pliable, and more prone to injury. Another thing is neuromuscular connections and when we talk about neuromuscular connections we're referring to the connection between your brain and the muscle units and efficient firing of the muscles. Years of running with efficient form creates efficient systems. Your brain tells the muscles when to fire and they all fire in unison. Now that coordinated firing of muscles decreases your risk of injury by evenly spreading out the forces. When you watch a college rowing team The people that win are the ones that are all firing in unison. They all have their oars in the water at the same time, pulling at the same time. When you look at a bunch of non-rowers trying to paddle together, they all have their oars in the water at different times and they're much less efficient. In terms of running form, it's also important to consider your running form and what happens when you stop running. All runners think about running form. We think about how upright we stand, we think about arm swing, stride length, vertical oscillation, pelvic tilt, and a variety of other factors that can contribute to our efficiency and our forward movement. If you think about it, it stands to reason that any running form modification that can make you faster likely can make you more efficient. If you're more efficient, then you are using less force to move forward. Less force should also translate to lower injury risk. If you don't run, your running form is going to get worse. Just try it. Take some time off and then go for a run. Anywhere from a few days to a couple of weeks and you'll notice a significant change in your running form. Granted, if you've been running for a long time, you may develop an efficient running form again fairly quickly, but that awkward movement when you first start running again puts you at risk of more running injuries. There are really three factors at play that influence the stresses that impact your feet and your legs when you run. First is gravity. The second is your body's capacity to dynamically absorb force. And then the third one is your body's capacity to statically absorb force. Every single time you take a step when you run, you become airborne and then you land again. Of course, gravity is pulling you back down to earth. That attraction between your body and the earth underneath you is never going to change. But you can change the way your body deals with that force. When we talk about your body's capacity to dynamically absorb force, we're referring to the way that your running form mitigates forces. But inside your foot, your ankles, and your legs, we as doctors are thinking about the way that the tendons and ligaments stretch out to gradually dissipate those forces. The reason airbags are standard equipment in most automobiles is that we know if we can increase the distance over which an object decelerates, then you can decrease the force of impact. An airbag doesn't change the force of hitting the other car. An airbag just slightly lengthens the time you decelerate inside the car during a crash. So you squish into a cushion of air instead of smacking into the steering column. The time it takes to absorb the impact is lengthened and distributed across a wider area. Obviously the result is less impact force and hopefully fewer injuries. Now in a similar way, if your tendons and ligaments are pliable, they can stretch out and absorb force over a longer period of time. So every time you land, if your muscles dynamically absorb force, you're less likely to develop an overtraining injury. But when you lose your fitness, your muscles become weak and your tendons and ligaments become tight. You start to lose your body's ability to dynamically absorb force. And then you have to rely on your body's capacity to statically absorb force. This means the bones, your skeletal system, simply has to absorb all the force in a more jarring fashion. That's where shin splints, sprained ligaments, and stress fractures start to come in. The big problem with putting a halt on your running altogether when you become injured is that you predictably get weaker your tendons and ligaments get stiffer. And believe it or not, your bones become more brittle as well. You may have heard statistics like you get 13% weaker after only one week in a cast in crutches. You may have read that you can lose up to 60% of your strength in one leg after six weeks on crutches. Loss of muscular strength from disuse has also been well documented. Doctors also know that your bones get weaker when you don't use your foot. One time I did surgery on a guy who was young and healthy. He was in his early 20s, he was super fit, but he had to have surgery on both feet at the same time and he could not walk until the surgery healed. Basically, he was off his feet for six weeks. When we got his x-rays at six weeks, the bones in his feet looked like glass. He had considerable loss of bone density just from sitting still for six weeks. Fortunately, he was young and super healthy. We were able to rebuild his bones through strength training and a very deliberate increase of stresses applied to his feet and ankles. But if you're a serious runner, you can't really afford to have weaker bones, at least not unless you wanna have stress fractures down the road. When you add all these issues together, things get even worse because in the simplest sense, your foot is really just a lever attached to the end of your leg. When the bones within the foot get weaker and the tendons and ligaments around the ankle get tighter, there is more force being applied to the foot as you try to move the lever because the lever is stiffer So unless you run on a different planet, you have to dynamically and statically deal with the forces of gravity and the biomechanical stresses that result from landing when you run. These biomechanical forces are really the primary stressors that doctors worry about when you get injured running. But it isn't the only form of stress. Injuries happen because of too much stress, but you have to consider all of the forms of stress that can hinder healing. The real challenge in running injuries is to figure out how to reduce the global stress in your body. If you reduce the overall stress enough, you can increase the biomechanical stress in the form of running or some other activity that will maintain your fitness. It's just math. Your task when you get an overtraining injury really is to force your doctor to help you try to reduce the collective stresses enough to allow running and permit healing all at the same time. Here are some of the other forms of stress that should be evaluated when you get a running injury. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You will have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's gonna be on time. Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines, and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. Here are some of the other forms of stress that should be evaluated when you get a running injury. Now the first thing is biomechanical stressors and we already talked about this a lot. Biomechanical stressors come in all different forms. They have to do with the way you land, the shoes you wear, and your unique running biomechanics. If you choose the appropriate running surfaces and you run with the form that is the least stressful you're capable of, you can reduce the amount of running stress. If you run on a packed dirt trail, it will be less stressful than running on concrete. If you run on a jogging track that is a cushioned surface, you will have less biomechanical stress than if you run on asphalt. If you have plantar fasciitis on your right foot and you run in the road with your back to traffic, the slope of the road will supinate your right foot and decrease the biomechanical stress to your healing plantar fascia. It may be worth getting a run form analysis or reconsidering the shoes that you choose if you want to decrease the amount of biomechanical stress as you continue to run. Another thing to think about is hormonal stressors. Hormonal stressors refer to any dysfunction in the body that can disrupt your biochemistry. Thyroid dysfunction is a common problem. The thyroid gland, the pituitary gland, the kidneys, the pancreas, and the liver can all increase the global amount of stress in your body if they're not functioning properly. It often shocks me when I see young, healthy runners who train and seemingly have an enormous amount of respect for the body Yet, they never get an annual checkup with their internal medicine doctor just to confirm that the machine is all working properly. Another thing to think about is environmental stressors. The environment itself can be stressful. Pollution from automobiles, pollen from trees, and other pollutants all have to be processed and expelled from your body. If you're taking in material from the air that you breathe or the water that you drink, your body has to remove it. That takes energy and it increases the amount of stress. Whenever I go to Houston to visit my sister, we, we usually run at Memorial Park, and Memorial Park is likely the most popular running spot in the entire Houston metropolitan area. Interestingly, it is also surrounded by about 20 lanes of freeway traffic. Interstate 10 is on one side, the 610 freeway is on the other side, and Memorial Drive is on the other side of the park. It seems fascinating to me that many runners choose to run in a place that has often been documented as having the very worst air quality in the Houston metro area. If you have options to run in different areas, you may be better off choosing an area that has fewer environmental stressors. Obviously, if you run in a park that has lots of trees and less traffic, that would be better for you. If you're severely allergic to tree pollen and the pollen counts are high, then you may be better off running indoors that day. One of the least talked about stressors for running injuries is probably emotional stressors. Now, Athletes meditate, and there's a good deal of evidence that a healthy mental attitude can increase athletic performance. In my mind, anything that can increase athletic performance has the capacity to increase the speed of healing and decrease your risk of injury. No one chooses emotional stress. However, we all have to deal with it when it comes up. You may have a boss that you don't like. You may have some kind of marital discord. Your kids may be giving you trouble. But whatever it is, you have to deal with it. Whether that means meditation, working with a therapist, or talking to a sports psychologist, you have to remember that if you can decrease the amount of emotional stress, you may be able to run further with a lower risk of injury. Another thing to think about is nutritional stressors. Nutrition is not what you eat. Nutrition refers to the nutrients you take in, absorb, and incorporate into the cells. Whether you have Crohn's disease or an unhealthy diet, you're not going to get all the nutrients you need. If you're pregnant or breastfeeding, you can also expect that the nutrients you take in when you eat are going to be preferentially distributed to your baby instead of rebuilding your tissues after you run. You also have oxidative stressors, and I recently did an online search for medical journal articles on the term oxidative stress and wound healing. Basically, I was preparing for a talk. I was going to give at a medical conference on running injuries, and I wanted to include some discussion about oxidative stressors, and there were almost 20,000 medical journal articles on the topic, and this is peer-reviewed medical journal articles, not topics just written by average people. Now, this is likely a good topic for an entirely separate episode, but in short, Oxidative stress is what happens when tissue damage occurs. This can be combated with nutritional supplements and a host of different factors. Attempting to reduce the amount of oxidative stress in your system, whether through increasing your antioxidant fruit and vegetable intake or through specific nutritional supplements designed to combat oxidative stress, you have to do something to try to reduce every form of stress that you can manage. You wouldn't believe how many times I've seen runners who think they didn't change anything, but suddenly developed an overtraining injury like Achilles tendonitis, a metatarsal stress fracture, or plantar fasciitis. Many times they're just baffled. They've been doing the same routine week in and week out for years. No increase in mileage, no new coach, and no big change in terrain. But then I start searching for stressors other than the biomechanical stressors that can contribute to injury risk. And when I probe a little deeper, something interesting almost always happens. I hear things like, I took on a new position at work. I just had a baby. I've been on a new rigorous diet for the past few months. My father recently passed away. I recently had a thyroid problem, but it isn't related to running, and I'm taking medication for it. I decided to start a second business in my spare time. I just got divorced. I've been traveling a lot for work recently. All of these life events can contribute enormous amounts of anxiety and stress. And while many runners just think of it as anxiety, you should really think of it as stress. Granted, many doctors don't really seem to get around to asking these sort of questions. They just hone in on the biomechanical stress. The number of miles you run, the surfaces you run on, or the running shoes you wear. What you have to realize is that all of the stress pushes your threshold for injury lower. If you have a lower threshold for an overtraining injury, then it stands to reason that you have to run less to stay under that threshold for recovery. But it's not just the stress from running. It's all the stresses added together. It may help to think about your threshold for injury instead as your threshold for recovery. Whether you think of it as recovery or injury, it's basically the same thing, they're just moving in opposite directions. So if you're trying to recover from an overtraining injury, you wanna stay active or continue to run while you heal the injury, you have to reduce all the other stressors so that you can increase the mechanical stress, which is running. The key point here is that if you reduce the emotional stress, the hormonal stress, nutritional stress, if you reduce all those different forms of stress enough, then in theory, you can increase the biomechanical stress and stay under your threshold for healing or your threshold for recovery, and you can keep running so you don't lose all your fitness, you don't lose your neuromuscular connections, you don't lose your running specific fitness or your running form. This way, when the overtraining injury fully heals, you can get back to running with less worry of a series of chronic recurring injuries that sideline so many athletes. So, although your doctor may truly have your best interest at heart when she tells you to stop running, that advice may actually be counter to your long-term goal of continuing to run for a lifetime. Make sure that you explain your running goals to your doctor. Ask her to help you come up with strategies to mitigate the forces of running. Figure out ways to decrease the stresses from running so that you can still heal while you keep running. But if your doctor refuses to help you figure out how to heal and keep running, start looking for a doctor who treats runners and who might help you run and heal the running injury. You can either find a local doctor in your area or you can even get a remote second opinion through web consultation or phone consult from a running expert who offers telemedicine consultations for runners. Remember, The goal isn't just to heal. The goal is to run. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me. And then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.